Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Thursday, June 18th. Chad Sackhatch is on the show with us. He's one of our favorite humans. Chad is a dad, a husband, friend, curious explorer, and global traveler. By day, he's changing how the world builds software at VMware. You can read his epic blogs at virtualgeek.io and chat with him on Twitter at S-A-K-A-C-C. Welcome to the show, Chad. It is great to be here, and thank you for reminding me. It is Thursday. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was fourth Monday. (laughs) It's so nice to have you on, Chad. Tyler, Aaron, it is truly my pleasure to be talking to you, my old friends. Our paths uh, diverge, but they never go apart. So before we get into the news, our millions of listeners, they need to know, what has Chad been up to lately and how have you been handling Corona? Uh, I've been handling it great. In fact, there's a part of me that I feel really, really lucky, actually, Aaron, and I can see this in some of the, you know, I follow you on the Twitters, um, both of you. And, you know, I've seen how much time you're spending with your daughters and your kids and your family and your wife's uh, open heart uh, <laughs> science class. <laughs> you know, that was no joke. I walked uh, out of my office and she's standing there with a cow heart cut so in half. <laughs> but by the way, like what an awesome thing to do. Like what a great, what a great parent yeah, to do. And then, and then, by the way, I saw the, the, the chickens uh, got, got uh, picked <laughs> off by, by, by off. but the point the chicken that, saga yeah, by the way that's the circle of life right there that's yeah. right <laughs> but uh you know i'm spending so much more time with my family and it's it's funny you you opened with my twitter bio i love traveling the world and i miss traveling the world but the picture in my bio is my wife and my two daughters uh uh in new york and uh you know seeing a show and and I'm like, the fact that I get to spend so much more time because of Corona with my family is huge. And I, I think to myself, frankly, I'm, I'm lucky because there's a lot of people that are not um, not able to work the way that that I can work and the way that I know you guys can work. Um, you yeah. know, they don't have an employer that supports that sort of model, even if they can. Um, so I feel really lucky. How are you guys doing? Yeah. I don't know. I have, I have similar sentiments. I'm, I feel absolutely blessed to have a uh, an ecosystem from a job perspective that was so easy to transition into continuing to do what I do and add value and feel substantial in the workforce and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people out of the gate didn't have the tools and the access that we had and honestly take for granted on a daily basis. So, yeah. So you know, did you get chickens or ducks? Ducklings. We got nice. I saw that video. That was too funny. (laughs) So, so it's funny because, you know, human beings anthropomorphize everything, right? So you project, you project, you know, these, these feelings onto these little ducklings and they're so cute. And then eventually I realized these things are dumb as posts. Like, Like everything that they're doing, which you think is cute is completely instinctual, right? So, you know, like they'd follow you around and that's what we're, we're videotaping. We, we, what a genius business idea, by the way. So, so this farm basically says, Hey, you know, uh, you sign up 
and then they tell you when the eggs are going to hatch, like literally the day, and then they give you a time slot. Oh, and wow. you show up and you get these newborn little ducklings. That's and awesome. for, a, for a low, low price, you in essence rent them for a month. You buy a truckload of food from the, from the farm. <laughs> <laughs> you raise the ducks for this privileged, uh, this privileged experience. And then you like think this is probably the most ridiculously uh, privileged story above COVID, you know, ever. <laughs> and then you return them fully grown. But a, they're very cute, and yeah. the kids, uh, the kids, and Susan and I, we love them. But then we realized, oh my God, they're dumb as posts. And then by the time <laughs> they got to week two, they just the amount of excrement that they produced. No <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> was so colossal uh, that, that that eventually when we when we returned them, I had to basically spend a day uh, cleaning and power washing. Power washing your there deck. Was, there, there was poo everywhere. It was wow. Um, it was quite. Something. How many ducks? Three little ducklings. Three little ducks, and you you had to like spray down the deck. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, the last personal question I got, and then we'll get into some news because I'm curious on some of your hot takes on that yeah, stuff. No worries. Um, but you recorded a video uh, for the We Are VX Rail thing recently, and you had a wood shop. And I know oh, Tyler's into, yeah, you into you know wood creation things as well. Absolutely. It looked like you were building a slab of a table or something. What? Yeah. Can you give me a quick update on that. So, so uh, you know, I love what I do professionally. Love working with with you guys over the years. Um, the last few years of being, you know, really embedded in what Pivotal and VMware were doing before separately and now together in Tons around Kubernetes, super awesome. I love working with my mind and all that stuff, but there is no substitute for the satisfaction of working with, with uh, your hands and, and being able to see the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the product the of your labor, yeah. right? The fruit of your labors. It's so neat so, to get lost in it too. Yeah, and, and it's I find it's just so calming and like zen and um, so yeah, I've I, I basically have got my 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 office is at the top and my my uh, garage slash workshop is in the bottom. That's and awesome. and I I uh, again this is this is a, a this is a little over the top, but you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a great expression from the A-Team uh, movie, which was not as good as the 80s A-Team, but Hannibal basically says overkill is underrated. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah I like it again, Aaron. I've seen yeah. the car that you've built, right? So like, that, that right. thing is yeah. overkill is underrated, you know. My chicken coop is 12 feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not unfamiliar with overkill. That's, uh, overkill is underrated. No, I saw your, your wood shop. Uh, Chad and ah, instant jealousy. I wish I had that kind of space. And where I live, I'm lucky to get half of a two car garage occasionally. So all of my woodworking equipment are uh, mobile or on mobile stands <laughs> that, that I'm actually upgrading. That, and I love it too. But oh, I saw your space and just wanted it. The, the space is actually in a place like really far out of the city where land is, oh. you know, like we, we're, we've got acres and acres of. Yeah, yeah. Blood forest right in any case the 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 thing that i i uh i started to do was like i had this tree that had fallen out on the property and i'm like tried to saw it horizontally 
And that was an epic fail. It was just a disaster. Oh, no, I didn't realize that that didn't work out. I, I remember when you posted that because that's always oh, no, a that's goofy a, thing, but it's something I always wanted to do. Is actually, Tyler, that's the beginning know. of the story. So I tried. <laughs> that's brilliant. And then, and then I asked somebody like, yeah, how do, you, how do you cut these things horizontally? Because I love using the chainsaw and clearing the property and all that stuff. And sure. they're like, well, there's a thing called a chainsaw mill. And then yeah. that resulted in just you know, diving deep into the world of YouTube videos of milling, of, sure. you know, milling. and so I bought myself, uh, uh, you know, a thirty-six inch uh, bar and and thirty-six inch chainsaw mill, and then and then uh, you know I milled that those slabs that you saw, and that yeah, was the first one I saw. Yeah, was was yeah, with the mill because the chainsaw mills. Uh, when I see those and I see people cutting their own slabs out of felled trees in their you know backyards, if you will, it's always it's insanely satisfying, and it's so beautiful it's because like you're making, you're making something out of something yeah. that is is uh, you know reclaimed, and and but Absolutely. then I, this is the where the overkill is underrated part of the story comes in. So a buddy of mine's like, oh, we got this tree on the property that's wonderful, but it's gonna have to come down. It's it's died and. And I'm like, oh, well, let me come over and take a look. I take a look, and it's this huge white pine that's seven feet diameter. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Whoa. this is gonna be incredible. That is incredible. But wow, my that's huge. Small little mill will not cut it. <laughs> and what's the answer? Get a nine foot bigger <laughs> mill. <laughs> no way. <laughs> a nine foot mill. Uh, that's awesome. It's so ridiculously over the top, and I posted oh, awesome. on YouTube a video of us, us uh, a buddy of mine, you know, cutting a smaller tree. But this thing is incredible, and and the wood that you can get out of it is insanely satisfying. But oh, that's dang, a long. I mean, what a huge diameter too! You're going to have so much stock from that. How how long do you have to dry it? Oh, that'll that'll be like at least a year of letting it really yeah. dry up. You're not going to kiln dry it. You're just going to let it dry in ambient temperatures. Yeah. We're just going to let it dry in, in cool. ambient temperatures. And there's a place for anyone who is, is kind of curious about this whole scene. If you go to, uh, uh, let's see, let me pull it up here. Uh, there's a place called North on 60. So northon60.com that basically like does this professionally. I was actually like, oh, maybe I could actually, you know, sell some of this. And I would, I could, that would be awesome. Um, and then I, I'm like, is there anyone around here that does this? And then, you know, there's the depressing moment of realizing there's somebody that does it so much better than you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you really have to extract a lot of joy out of doing it yourself because and it's amazing. So they they, they could kill they could kiln dry it like so they've got a big kiln yeah. and and uh, you can use you can use their stuff. So it's awesome. it's that's super pretty cool. fun. Now okay, sat- we are happy. Work is satisfying oh, okay. too. All right, we are halfway through our uh, our time with you. So let's shift gears and move into uh, into tech news. Is there anything that's before we just kind of scroll through some of this stuff? Is there anything that's been catching your eye in the tech world that you want to talk uh, about? Yeah, so just you know, there's two there's two things. One thing is like uh, you know my day to day work, and then the other one is kind of a meta. So on the day to day work piece, um, you know the the amount of progress that we're making inside the CNCF on continuing to kind of flesh out the Kubernetes stack is, is really cool. Um, you know, there's a few projects that are, that I think are fascinating, um, like Octant, um, 
you know, where we're working on trying to improve the dev experience and all of those, you know, it's, it is fascinating to me, you know, uh, you know, how, how hard it is to kind of shift people's uh, brains of like what a brand is. So like, you know, you know, Aaron, you work for, for Dell EMC and, and uh, Tyler, you and I both work for VMware. If you go and you talk to, uh, you know, anybody out in the world and you're, you know, you say, Hey, I say VMware, what do you think? You know, they wouldn't say leading open source contributor right. around CF, you know, Kubernetes ecosystem, but that is true. And, um, you know, the Octon is a particularly interesting project that I would encourage people to kind of check out and take a look at. It's actually one of a ton of projects around, um, uh, you know, bringing a better dev experience, bringing a lot of the stuff that we've learned over the years of CF um, about what do devs want for a faster uh, push to prod experience fundamentally and bringing it to the CNCF. So that, like Octon is one example. Um, there's a whole series of others that are around the build pack projects. Um, and if you look at that, you can just look up buildpack.io and, uh, um, you know, you'll find lots of info around what we're doing there. Um, it's, it's fascinating stuff in that domain. Now the meta, uh, you know, the meta point, um, of like what is, uh, interesting to me is, what is this world going to look like? What does the new normal look like? So, uh, you know, again, fascinating near-term stuff about like, hey, what are we doing around Kubernetes? What are we doing to add value? What are we doing to innovate inside the dev experience above kubectl, right? The meta thing that is curious to me is what is the world going to look like, um, you know, as we, as we move uh, – as we move forward, I, you know, there was an interesting study of the employee base and 70% of them said that they actually prefer this new way of working. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and even I though I prefer the nine hours straight of zoom, I will tell you that, No, but yeah. I, I do, I do like most of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 miss, I actually miss being in the office personally. I actually miss yeah. little seats on airplanes, but I like to travel and I love to interact with people, right? But a lot of, a lot of the core engineering teams are like, hey, I'm not on constant you know, Zooms and I'm able to be on the Zoom with the team or on Slack with the team when I need to, but I'm, I feel comfortable about being, being remote all the time. And so there's just a question in my mind of, you know, everybody's like, when are things going to return to normal? Um, I think that, that the better way to think about it is like, hey, how could we redefine the world in a better way? Um, What's the new normal look like? Yeah. And, and, and how could it be more awesome? Yeah. Face-meltingly awesome. Face-meltingly <laughs> awesome. Which, by the way, so Twitter, I don't know if you saw Perfect this, they started rolling out audio <laughs> tweets. I, I, so, did, I did not see that. I'm going. I'm going to have to. I'm going to now that you mentioned that, Aaron. Yep. Like, uh, I'm really going to have to leverage that. Bless the world, Chad. Bless the world. Okay, that's right. Because there's going to be enough people out there using it for for nefarious purposes and that's just right. being mean. So, it, it, you know, and share your voice. The other the other thing that it, you know is is interesting to me, and and um, 
you know, really kind of highlighted and crystallized. I was meeting with a customer yesterday um, who's kind of been on the journey with us for the last five or six years. And it's funny just because of, of some of the history that the three of us have got, right? This customer started off as a CI customer and then an HCI customer. Uh, throughout that process, they not only partnered with us, but they partnered with some of the people that we compete with. Um, so they, they, you know, there's been kind of like an ebb and flow. Um, and at every point in that, the, uh, you know, they were continually kind of pressing on the build versus buy, consume versus construct, you know, question mm-hmm. inside inside their their business. And this is a this is a pretty big financial uh, company headquartered in Chicago, and. Um, and what's interesting now is that they, they're like, look, we, we think that this is all, all the way up to the developer surfaces, something that we're going to consume going forward. And we're doubling down on, in this particular case, with you guys as Dell Tech, and then with Azure. So we're multi-cloud, we're aligned down that path. That pattern, I'm just seeing it every single customer I know I have my own sample bias, sure. But but you know they're kind of recognizing that the new name of the game is really far above those layers inside the stack. That doesn't mean yeah. that there's not a lot of excitement and and innovation that's occurring inside every layer of the technology stack. I just feel more than ever that the multi-year efforts around making consumption of the technology stack more and more oriented towards consume yeah. and, and, and pushing the, the responsibilities of, of uh, integration of the technology stack to, you know, core companies that, that provide value. Um, it, it's just not going to stop. And, and there's a ton of innovation on, on top, um, you know, continue to just see a ton of activity, uh, with with uh, our friends at, at Confluent on Kafka, um, on top of Kubernetes, uh, with these very small Spring Boot uh, microservices type models, and there's just a ton of legacy that that can be radically improved with that stuff. So it's it's all of those things all at once. I keep coming back though to the bigger meta, which is like, hey, society is changing here. Like all of this technical pieces are fascinating and I love them, but man, there's some big things going on in the world, whether it's, you know, the changes you see in society in, in the U S kind of the awakening of, of what's happening in society. Um, and then obviously, you know, coronavirus changing our lives and highlighting a lot of things that can be better. Yeah. Agreed. Well, let me, let me shift gears hard on you here. And I think I know that you are a space exploration fanatic. <laughs> yes, there, was a, there was a bit of news here. So talk about pressure. SpaceX, they will have to demonstrate. So they've been launching these Starlink um, satellites, right? They have to demonstrate their low latency capabilities within the next month. And if they do, they qualify for up to $16 billion in federal funding. That's, uh, yeah, that's a lot, lot on the line. So, <laughs> but anyway, what, what, what's your take on what SpaceX has been up to? There's okay. a lot to talk it's about there. Probably not where you're expecting this to go. So warning in advance. Okay. Bring it. 
there is, I'm starting to feel like an old man here a little bit, you know, having been around the block, <laughs> there's a tendency for companies as they, uh, tech companies, as they grow and they grow and they grow to invariably want to become network service providers. And this seems counterintuitive, but it's actually really easy to explain, right? Which is, let's say that you're a SaaS startup. So you start off by basically building something that runs on top of, uh, you know, a hyperscale cloud. You deliver it to your first few customers and things start to get great. Then you start to realize, hey, wait a second. Um, we need to be really careful about how we deliver this experience to our customers. And then you start to actually, in essence, start to consume and construct your own underlying platform um, so that you don't have a dependency that you can't. Yeah. Okay, fine. Then what you realize is you're now Netflix and you realize the platform itself is actually not what people want. What people want is content. And so you start to become a content company, right? Um, yeah. And then eventually the content company starts to go, the only way that we can ensure that we have a great uh, experience for the client is the client is experiencing the content through a pane of glass, but their experience is dependent on the network. And you start to realize that basically AT&T, Verizon, the carriers have got this intrinsic uh, footprint inside the value stack, which is at the first glance, really low relative to content, really low relative to, you know, platforms and technology. But then eventually you realize that network footprint is insanely valuable and is in essence, everything is dependent on it. By the way, you know, again, coronavirus has really kind of highlighted that. <laughs> I was doing a Zoom uh, all day session with a bunch of customer events uh, yesterday and my internet connection was flaky and all of a sudden, yeah, it was pretty clear to me how important I was dependent on my service provider, right? But there's been multiple attempts over decades for tech companies to become service providers using wireless and even uh, low earth orbit satellite systems, Yeah. right? And in fact, you've seen some of the other experiments where Google has had like, can we have balloons that fly over? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about that. The Doing that in Africa. That's matured but a bit. The reason that these keep occurring is because of that fundamental strategic observation that I was making up front, right? Yeah. Now, Starlink is the first time that there is a shot of, of doing this with uh, – incredible constellation of low earth orbit satellites and um the electrical engineer in me is like i can see how how it would seem incredibly appealing mm -hmm. because you know in essence it's actually not that complex a technical problem at its core obviously the something thing we've been doing for a long time you're right i mean you know the idea of of using low earth orbit satellites is not a new idea. What is new is that basically the cost per pound of launching them into space yeah. and yeah. the ability to have, uh, you know, microsatellites that are much more disposable um, right. is, is a new thing. And then there's obviously the speed of light physics that mean, you know, you've got to have a much denser constellation closer to the surface of the earth for, <laughs> for latency. Latency is the one thing that you can't, <laughs> you know, yep. you can't innovate around, right? Like that's literally 
one of those damn space-time problems, right? (laughs) Well, maybe we could introduce a wormhole or something between low Earth orbit and (laughs) your house. The next step will be those. uh, (laughs) It'll be the uh, the qubits, right? You know, your your intrinsic spin and (laughs) wormholes are easy. Big big wormholes. Big wormholes are hard. <laughs> that's that's uh, consistent a consistent for you. Very large and small scale things is that and, you get something to work on a small scale, but uh, scaling it up is often quite difficult. At the quantum level, you know, black holes and wormholes are happening all the time. Oh, yeah. But at, at, it, it's this damn like, hey, can you make it bigger than than Planck scale, and can you hold it open? Unfortunately, that requires the energy of a galaxy. Right. Damn. Haven't that's quite right. figured out how to harness that one yet. <laughs> So, 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 but, but look, I think, I think, you know, uh, I'm also a amateur astronomer just for the nerd triumvirate completion, um, <laughs> you know, of computers, yeah. science and astronomy, um, with some math thrown in, but, uh, I'm kind of like rooting for Starlink and also yeah. resenting Starlink because the, you know, it basically does affect uh, amateur astronomers all around the world. Yeah, I, we've heard a lot of pushback in that because they're they're putting so much junk up there, right? That it's actually polluting the the views. And and uh, but it was it was actually kind of cool. I I did uh, I did observe when they did the first Starlink launches, and you cool. initially when they're when they're uh, when they're put up there, they're all tightly grouped together before they spread out. Oh, and then they drift. Hmm. I didn't realize that. That's I imagine I that, that contributes to doing it inexpensively, though. So that makes yeah. sense. Well, that's, Chad, that's you, just, very cool. you just need to add to your um, to your vacation list to do. Go to the dark side of the moon. <laughs> They're going to take you up there. And then just you can do your astronomy thing. stuff up there for a little while. <laughs> so, by the way, you know, in, in every marriage, uh, in every relationship, there's always compromises that, that people need to make. And compromises aren't a bad thing. It's the essence of relationships, right? And so my wife and I... Uh, she knows that I have this complete space obsession. She's like, Chad, you cannot go to space until <laughs> that means you're doing it <laughs> until our kids are old enough that they can understand why you died. <laughs> yeah. And she turned to me the other day and said, like, Hey, Sarah's now 14, and so uh, yeah, you 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 now I've got the thumbs up to go. And I'm like, Oh, that's funny. Yes, awesome. Chad that's space. awesome. Okay, so that leads me to two more questions then. Uh, so when, when you listen to the two astronauts that went up on um, the on Crew Dragon recently, yeah, they were talking about. So if you watch the launch, they're going, okay, now we're going through thirty seconds of two point three Gs. Okay, now we're going to go through forty five seconds of like four point one Gs. This is the most difficult part. Okay, they got up there, and I'm thinking, I'm having like we're talking conversations around. I don't think the average person could really handle that. And then there was a smarter every day episode well. that came out where. Um, Dustin tries to go and hit nine G's in an aircraft and he taps out at 7.1 or something like that. Mm -hmm. That one's a fun one to watch, but this gets to the question of, (laughs) then they were talking about, we're going to put a hundred people in a jet and send them up at a time, right? Not a jet, a rocket, a rocket jet. I don't know. What is that? What's your take on that? How do you get a hundred people in a system trying to escape gravity, hitting G's like that? That's question one. And then question two is, do you think we're going to make it to Mars? We will absolutely make it to Mars. Yep, so, I agree one hundred percent. So, so the first thing that's important to acknowledge in that is that, you know, as humans, we suck with time scales, 
you know, and, and for us, we view like a 40 year window, you know, it's been 50 years since the Apollo program. It was great to see like all of the, um, kind of recognition of that incredible, uh, human achievement, but people are like, Oh my God, that was 50 years ago. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm not proud of the fact, I think we could be, we could have been doing a lot more and I'm glad we could have done better, but 50 years is not a long time. Right. Right. It's nothing. Problem Flip. Is our, our time scale perspective is measured by our own lives. Mm. Right. Um, you know, it's the nature of human existence. But are we going to make it to Mars is, is not a question of, of if, it's purely a question of when. Now, I think that it will happen sooner than people think. Um, you know, not not on Elon Musk time scales because he's a little bit uh, optimistic in his in his, in his time. <laughs> right. But even even if he's off by a factor of two or three, that means that it'll happen within the next you know twenty years or so. Yeah, and I think- no, it's huge. There and, was and this nineteen-year-old. Um, a- Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. No, that's all right. I was just going to say that I, one, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment, Chad. We're going to get there and we're going to get there fast. Uh, maybe not by everyone's human standard from a time perspective, but it's going to happen soon, right? And one of the things to consider too is there's definitely prep we need to do, but sending something repeatably and predictably to Mars is not difficult for us at this point. Like the math is all there, the technology is there to get a payload. Our, our biggest problems now are getting a human payload and making sure that they're, you know, psychologically and, and health wise able to make the trip. Right. That comes to the first question, right. Of, of the, like the, you know, it's maybe I'm, maybe I'm weird, very likely, but you know, people are like, well, who are they going to find? That's going to, Oh my goodness! You can oh, find gosh. out beings that would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, Absolutely, there, there are people that go right now with no guarantee that it would no be comfortable or safe. You, so, so, would you find the people? Yes. Um, would they be able to handle, um, you know, two Gs, four Gs? The answer is yes. Yeah. Um, right. And 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 you know, um, even though that's linear the feeling of G's is, uh, is, is exponential. Right? Sure. So, so, so even though it's literally a linear function of gravity increasing gravity's effect is measured in meters per second squared and therefore higher G's have a exponential effect on, on physiological systems. So two and four G's, you know, you experience that when you're driving a car aggressively, or if you're on a if you're on a roller coaster, right? Now there are some people who can't handle a roller coaster, and that's fine. <laughs> right? um, but we will eventually do this. It's it's one of the most noble parts of human nature is to want to expand horizons and explore. And and the fact that we uh, you know evolved the capability to understand math and science and and be able to work those problems, I think is great. Now there's a stupid debate that always occurs that says, well, wait a second, don't we have more pressing problems here on earth? And the answer is hell yeah. But it does not have to be uh, like a zero sum game trade-off. We can, we, as humans, we can improve things on life. We can uh, improve conditions of society. We can make the world green and, 
and we can go to Mars. Right. And imperial processes, it's a false dichotomy to say you can only have one of the two. Absolutely. And, and, and again, like, you know, people talk about the, you know, during the peak of the Apollo program, it was 4% of the GDP of the U.S., right? The peak. And, and it's certainly arguable about was that a net expense or was it a net, um, uh, you know, addition to the future value of the U.S.? I think it was a net addition. I mean, look, we got saran wrap and mylar and aluminum foil out of it. Yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff comes from the research that goes into just making that possible, right? But we also got transistors, <laughs> right? So, you know, like all of that stuff that came out of that program, I think, created far more than that 4% of GDP wealth. Now, just here's the thing that, you know, in, in our coronavirus response, we have spent trillions of dollars correctly. I'm not second guessing that. I don't want to get, you know, hate tweets from people. <laughs> uh, but, but like when we choose as a society to do something, it's remarkable about how quickly we can do it. And this is true of individuals. Like when you choose, I'm going to get in shape. Within a few months, you can get in shape. If you say, I'm going to choose to become an expert in Kubernetes, you can become an expert in Kubernetes in a few months. Nothing to it but to do it. And so it's actually that first step of like the decision as an individual, as a group of individuals, as a society, are we going to do it? And as soon as you're like, yes, hell yeah, it's remarkable what human beings can do. That's awesome. So I'd encourage y'all to go to spacex.com slash vehicles slash starship. Just look at that. It, it, it will give you feelings inside that are crazy <laughs> to see a starship in front of Saturn with like people looking you. out the window. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I've been following like the SN series of, uh, of, you know, explosions and stuff like that. It, it's it's funny because basically for those of you that aren't following, as they're getting ready to build Starship, they're rapidly iterating, um, uh, building you know the subcomponentry, and they're constantly failing. And people are making a big fuss about the fact that they're constantly failing. And it's like, no, the failures are actually how you learn and huge. improve the design. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I haven't been following it, but I have seen some as we've dug into different articles um, and it just sort of refers to some of those catastrophic failures and and what it took to sort of get where they were. But um, some of the more interesting ones that I've seen have talked about specific failure modes and why it ended up being so important that it happened in the ground test, which was the whole point of of the initial testing in the first place. Um, But the way that it failed caused major redesigns, which actually opened up doors to new findings and stuff like that. So yeah, those, that, that quick to fail um, process that they're following is, is actually really fascinating and watching it happen at the blistering pace that they're taking it through has been really cool. So Tyler, as a, as a longtime career infra dude that two years ago said, you know what? I really want to explore the world of app dev and immerse myself in the world of Kubernetes and the layers above it and learn about modern software development. All of those principles that they're now applying to, to spaceflight 
are in essence software development principles. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and it's really interesting to to now have experienced over the last two years how fundamental test driven development is that iteration speed is actually the thing that over even medium terms delivers a faster rate of innovation and value. Like so, and and they're just, they're now applying it here. And it's fascinating to compare and contrast like SpaceX's approach versus the traditional NASA approach. And NASA's adapting to, to SpaceX's model here too. And, and it's interesting because you've got the Boeing Starliner project as well as the Crew Dragon project all occurring in the same like timeframes, right? Also, you have the Orion program, NASA and, and mostly Boeing and, and uh, Lockheed. And then you have the SpaceX, you know, um, Starship program, right? At the beginning, the SpaceX approach looks really messy because it is messy. And mm -hmm. failures are really frequent, and but iteration velocity is insanely high, yep. and and conversely, the the traditional uh, you know model that is used uh, you know inside the space program, and again, it's just funny because it's completely portable to software development. Sure, you know, yeah, those, those parallels are everywhere. Yeah. Having lived in both of those worlds, of course, more infrastructure focused today, but leaning into the app dev side and then literally coming from the sort of old guard Lockheed Martin jet production systems, um, watching them try to adopt similar processes was actually really interesting from the inside because it was so counter to how they had developed platforms before. But you can see very clearly the success that that SpaceX is having, and it's dragging the industry along with it too. So, and 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 again, I don't want to make this too too weird, and I know that this is a sensitive <laughs> time, right? But I think that there's a portability of that idea. You know, the cliche is like, "Don't be afraid to fail," and blah 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 blah. But like, literally, that can be applied to all sorts of things in life. Um. It can be applied to all sorts of things in in politics and society and and uh, you know again the ability to say hey I'm going to do an experiment and this experiment you know uh, again there's things that you don't want to experiment <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh, you know so I'm not trying to make this a universal idea but in places where you can experiment and you can fail and you can fail and learn and iterate. You'd be surprised how quickly that learns, that that system learns, improves, and and builds something awesome. Yeah, that's that's actually a really interesting point too. And we'll we'll go down the philosophical side of things quite often on the show, right? But I, I like that. I like thinking about you know socioeconomic, socio-political sort of issues and thinking, all right, well, what if what if we do take the standpoint that done is better than perfect and we try something that seems quite simply to be better than what we're doing now and if it fails that's okay because we're going into this with our eyes open with the expectation that it will take iterations to make it better so don't don't wait until everyone agrees that there's a perfect way to do it just do something that everyone agrees is probably better than what we're doing now and adjust accordingly just just think about how 
that, that statement, everyone listening probably is like, yeah, I agree with Tyler. I agree with Tyler. <laughs> it's, right? it's really difficult to do with politics, though, in particular. But right? that's the thing. Like, if you said to somebody, I'm going to pursue an approach of incrementalism, like, well, that's not that sound bold. <laughs> I don't know what you just called me, but. <laughs> oh, no, that's, see, that's no, what I'm, I'm getting like, Half of it is like, we need to go, like, hell yeah, incrementalism. <laughs> we should. Like, you know, it's it's uh, incrementalism is how everything gets better. <laughs> All right, yeah. Let's uh, let's touch on uh, maybe one more thing that you might be interested in before we shut it down and uh, and get out of here and get our day uh, on with. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else? Yeah. Go there's ahead. one other thing. That, you know, okay. I I'm, perfect. And um, well, did you guys have one? I didn't. Yeah. No, I was. I, I was going to just kind of open it up to either gadgets or uh, virtual reality, mixture. You know, anything like that, or AI or three D uh, printing. Just gonna open the door you, you for you on that. Um, so so. Uh, VR, I'm absolutely loving Half-Life Alex. So I played that for the first time the other day. That is fascinating. It's it's amazing. It's amazing, and it, it highlights the how the art of um, these experiences are going to change. You know, uh, it's the first it's the first experience, first game that you can tell like, hey, they fully committed to the to the genre. I had my first VR team meeting. Um, uh, because we all got sick of Zoom, so we were like, you know what, let's let's try this, and it was amazingly, uh, it was amazingly uh, effective. Um, That's pretty fun. That's awesome. And so, so you know, I, I'm I'm fascinated by that. I, I literally, you know, as a as a kid of the as the kid of the '80s, um, you know, I I, uh, I was so excited. And I, you know, I've had like every VR system ever known to man. I had the original uh, Oculus Dev Kit One and Dev Kit Two, and and uh, even older older stuff. Um, so I'm I'm very bullish on on how that will continue to evolve. It will still, you know, you'll still look dorky, and uh, it's going to continue to iterate, and it, it will be incremental improvement. It'll be incremental. <laughs> Um, my daughter, I, I will send this, I won't post this on YouTube because she doesn't like it when I do that sort of stuff, but I will send both of you two the video of my daughter playing Beat Saber. It is super human. Oh, like, awesome. she, it's like, it's like the, she's using the force. She's a, like from, from <laughs> Bill, like with knives. It's, so it's cool. insane, right? <laughs> uh, now, now. Uh, that's interesting, but you know what I'm, I'm really starting to become increasingly geeked out on on a personal level is uh, solar. So what's happening quietly is that solar cell efficiency has reached a critical break point where solar energy plus battery technology, solid state battery technology, mm-hmm. um, have reached a, a, a tipping point that you know is is uh, is really exciting. It's really exciting because uh, you know as everyone has been really worried about what's happening with the environment, and we should be. Anyone who is a denialist of, of environmental change is frankly crazy at this point. Um, yeah, not looking at the facts. They're just not looking at the facts and, and they're just choosing to not look at the facts. And when someone is 
is consciously willing to ignore facts, something is wrong and you need to kind of say, hey, I, I, maybe I shouldn't be spending time talking to you about this topic. Um, but, but, you know, people are like, well, you know, I'm going to lose hope. I, I'm very optimistic about humans ability to innovate. And this is an yeah. area where right back to what you're saying before, right? The, when that urgency is there, it's amazing what we can do. It's we... amazing what we can do. And so the core intellectual property to build solar systems at scale is a whole new um, society level change. Now, again, this is a place where, uh, you know, there will be, there will be a lot of uh, competing interests around the world. Um, in China, they have built full-blown offshore uh, solar systems that are like the size of small mm -hmm. cities, right? Oh, yeah. um, and, and I think, uh, you know, it's very important for us in the, in the West to kind of rally around that. If I was, if I was starting, uh, you know, my career now, again, I would actually start it in, in the energy business, because I think that the wholesale sales system change from, uh, you know, the carbon system that we live in now to, uh, you know, a solar-based system is going to be over the next few decades fascinating yeah. and exciting and cool and a world filled with opportunity. Yeah, I mean, solar is awesome. And, and I think the battery and the har harnessing technology coming so far forward, right, solves some of the obvious problems, which is it's not sunny all the time, as an example, right? But I, I remember doing a calculation early days in college uh, in a physics class where it was people were, we were just discussing on the surface what it looks like to have uh, non, you know, fossil fuel based fuel sources. And um, I, I don't remember all of the details, but I do remember the, the energy density of solar radiation on earth, you know, and if you take, take the control, some of the variables that go into it, and you're talking about being on the surface of uh, at, at, you know, sea level, perhaps on a clear day, as an example, the, the, crazy amount of available solar radiation energy that's in a square meter it's it's over a kilowatt and so yeah. scale that out now obviously we have efficiency problems we're not capturing all that stuff but that's where those advances go so far forward if if you have a square mile of solar arrays I mean, you're talking about gigawatts of power all day basically and so there's there's no shortage of places to put those kinds of arrays. So that's cool. And so solar cell efficiency again. You, anyone you can just Google this and you can see what's <laughs> happening. It's this is this is uh, um, not fake news. You know they're they're approaching you know twenty five percent efficiency. Yeah. Um, and you know and everybody who's listening just you know. I remember having the, this debate, you know, and people are like, well, it doesn't, the sun doesn't shine every day. And, and it's like, okay, yeah, well, duh. Batteries. It does but, somewhere. So, so the question then is like, well, what are we going to do about it? Like, right. So, right. That is a problem. How will we solve said problem? That's right. Um, and, and, uh, that's, that's, that's the one thing that, um, as you guys know me and, and, and as whoever's listening to this, you know, can recognize I'm a fierce optimist 
and I and I'm optimistic about technology's ability to be a force for good. I'm optimistic about human beings' ability to evolve and make progress, particularly on generational timescales. Sometimes it takes generational change for things to to move. Um, and not all movements are forward in a positive direction. Sometimes it's two steps forward, five steps back, three steps forward, one step back. It's but again, the power of incrementalism plus time, you know, is is uh, is is powerful. The thing that I always am concerned about is basically some of the negative attributes of humanity and society and politics. You know, like who listens to the person who's like, I'm from the, you know, protecting the oil industry and I'm telling you solar is a bad idea because the sun doesn't shine every day. Mm -hmm. goes, yeah, right. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to listen to you. Even though I know that you have, you know, an, an agenda and, and it's understandable and it's human and you're trying to preserve jobs and blah, 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 blah. As opposed to going and saying like, hey, you're not in the oil business, you're in the energy business. Now, why did it take the energy companies as long as it did for them to go, you know, just like the example people say where it's like, you're not in the horse and buggy business, you're in the transportation business be become a car company and then car companies become autonomous vehicle companies transportation companies right energy companies basically had, had decades to basically go and say let's be the solution yeah. however it takes generational change <laughs> that's right yep yep but i i love the fierce optimism right i i think that that's a it's an awesome term. It's something people should do. Technology for good is such a cool concept. Fierce optimism is something I wish more people had. And uh, I, I got to say, it's one of the things I absolutely adore about you, Chad. It's just, it's, it is a cool way to be and we appreciate it. And I think on that note, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for bringing your fierce optimism and all your awesome opinions um, and knowledge to the table. But all our listeners, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you got anything that we missed, general feedback, or you'd like to join us for a recording, please let us know. We hope you enjoyed the listen. Thank you for subscribing. Have a great day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much, Chad. Overkill is underrated. <laughs>